This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Radio presents. In 2019, the Film and Whiskey podcast chose the movie Star Wars over the classic Casablanca, and Bob nearly lost his mind. And the Sonoma Whiskey Company gives me two more bottles to sip on and cry myself to sleep. This is the, the Film, Film and, and Whiskey, Whiskey podcast. podcast. Welcome to the Film and Whiskey Podcast, where each week we review a classic movie and a glass of whiskey. I'm Bob Book. I pick better movies than Bob. And your name is? Brad G. Hello, Brad G. We are back, ready to continue our bracket challenge. Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm amazed that this podcast is moving on. I I thought that Bob might quit. Yeah, very nearly did. But Sonoma Whiskey Company is once again coming in clutch. Now, if you've listened to the last episode, you know that Sonoma has sent us four different kinds of whiskey to sample. So we figured why not honor that commitment by featuring them in our final two episodes of the season. We tried their standard rye and their standard bourbon in the last episode. And for this episode, we're going to move on to their finished whiskeys, which are rye and bourbon that are finished in cherry wood. And actually on the bourbon, it says it's smoked cherry wood. So this is, you know, a little higher end as we move into the upper tiers of our bracket. Yeah, of which Star Wars is in our upper tier. I mean, it's a it's a very obvious choice. Yeah, so just a recap, we are down to the Elite Eight, and those matchups are Vertigo and West Side Story, The Aviator and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Pulp Fiction and Some Like It Hot, and Star Wars and Twelve Angry Men. Brad, what do you say we dive right in and get to these picks? Yeah, you know, first up, we have Vertigo and West Side Story, and they're they're both movies that came out in a similar time period, you know, the 50s into the 60s, classics in their genres, like in the suspense horror genre, Vertigo's up there as one of the greatest psychological thrillers of all time, and West Side Story is one of the greatest musicals of all time, so I, I think it's appropriate that they are fighting each other for the next spot in our bracket. Absolutely. This is the number one overall seed, Vertigo, versus the number nine seed in West Side Story. But at the end of the day, Brad, as much as I love West Side Story, I can't think of an argument for putting it above Vertigo. Yeah, in a a lot of different ways, West Side Story has a few failures that I just can't find in Vertigo. Vertigo hits on so many different levels. And and I don't know if I'd say it's a perfect movie, but man, it is close. And I, I would choose Vertigo in this matchup. So West Side Story and all of its wonderful songs go into the fiery furnace, never to be heard from again. Vertigo is our first entry into the season one final four. Bum, bada, bum, the final four. All right, that takes us down to the bottom of our bracket. Now this, I can already tell, is going to be a contentious one, Brad, because we have the number four overall seed, The Aviator, 
up against the underdog here, the number 12 seed Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Now, Brad, I know that you are not as high on Treasure of the Sierra Madre as I am. And in fact, it sounds like you're losing respect for the movie <laughs> as we go on <laughs> in this challenge. Bob, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to pull this out. But I think this is the matchup to remind you of Walter Houston looking into the camera. He breaks the fourth wall in the worst way possible. And are you going to let that move on over Leonardo DiCaprio's greatest performance? All right. Now, listen, first of all, yes, I am. What? But here's why. Now, just hear me out. We don't usually bring like the history of film criticism and movie history into our podcast. But this is a movie, Brad, that is consistently ranked in the top 100 movies of all time. People love Treasure of Sierra Madre. I understand that it's not the most popular movie in the culture, but at this point, neither is The Aviator. I feel like we've been trying really hard to get people to re-examine The Aviator. And as much as I love The Aviator, I honestly, truly think that The Treasure of the Sierra Madre is an objectively better movie than The Aviator. Not by a lot. Not by a lot. But that would be my choice. Bob, I would honestly be more upset about Sierra Madre making it over Aviator than about Casablanca beating Star Wars. Well, yeah, but that's because you liked Casablanca. I mean, that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is, I like Sierra Madre. Like, I genuinely enjoyed that movie. I think it's a phenomenal movie. But for you to say that it's an objectively better movie than The Aviator? Like, I don't care about the difference in era or anything else. I think that The Treasure of the Sierra Madre had some glaring difficulties that you don't see in The Aviator. Yeah, I mean, I gave both movies a nine and a half. Like, I I really appreciate both of these movies. And honestly, The Aviator is certainly in my top 100 of all time. But The Treasure of the Sierra Madre is just, it was so ahead of its time in the way that it looked at some of these issues. I have to put it up there. And I think, Brad, that means that it's time for us to flip that coin. Oh, my gosh. All right. We've got the coin of destiny ready to be flipped on tiebreakers. So this is for a final four spot. We've got The Aviator as heads going up against Treasure of the Sierra Madre as tails. Brad? Flip that coin. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Bob. Uh, Bob, I I am very much so in protest of this bracket. You know, you were cool. You were cool with the coin of chance picking Casablanca or picking Star Wars over Casablanca. But now the coin of chance is not not doing it for you anymore. Because huh? I would. Oh, oh. This the treasure of the Sierra Madre moves on over the aviator. Brad, I will say that I think public opinion is on my side. Treasure of the Sierra Madre, 8.2 on IMDb. The aviator, not even in the top 250 at a seven and a half. Man, I mean, if there's anything we know about the American public, it's that they're wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> and this is one of them. All right. So our final four so far is shaping up with Vertigo versus Treasure of the Sierra Madre on the left side of the bracket. Brad, why don't we comfort you a little bit by trying some whiskey? Man, I need it. All right. So the first one we're trying today from the Sonoma Distilling Company is their Cherrywood Smoked Bourbon. Now, this is a 67% corn, 20% rye, 13% cherrywood smoked malted barley. So it's a high rye bourbon. Retails for around $50, and it is bottled at 95.6 proof. Brad, what are you picking up on the nose of this bad boy? 
It's unique. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm actually not picking up a ton of difference on the nose because, like I said, I almost smelled some rye in that first bourbon we tried, which didn't have any rye in it and blew my mind. This one, you can tell that it's a high rye bourbon. Yeah, and I think you can pick up on the higher proof content. It does smell a little more ethanol-y, mm-hmm. but it it does smell different. There is something. I don't know if I'd call it cherry, but, but it kind of reminds me of like a dark raspberry, fruity, cherry type of smell. For sure. I uh, just took a sip, and I'll say this one is way sweeter and way spicier than the standard bourbon. There's just more going on all around. It's the higher proof. It's the finishing and cherry wood. This is a bourbon that I can get behind. Their standard bourbon was one that I did not particularly care for, but I like this one a lot more. It's got a little bit of like a wine taste to it as well. I think from the cherry wood uh, on the finish, it's a little bit like a dry red wine. And I like that. I uh, I think that I would give this whiskey at least a seven out of ten. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm not going to say it's a bad whiskey by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not my favorite. There's something about the cherry wood that it gives it kind of weird notes that I'm not used to on bourbon. Mm. And and it's not hitting all the it's not checking the right boxes for me. Anything you're picking up on the taste or the finish that is standing out to you, good or bad? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the the whole red wine thing, but after after having had Bardstown Bourbon Company's Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve, yeah, it's hard for me to say that this hits the right notes as far as a wine tasting bourbon should taste like. What I came out to on my scores is a seven out of ten, um, and I think that it's a good bourbon. I would recommend it at fifty dollars. I think the price point may be just a little high, yeah, but it makes sense considering where the prices were on their standard line. Yeah, I would struggle to recommend this. I would recommend their normal bourbon, but I think I would just barely come out on the side of not recommending this because it is a little too expensive. All right, so so far, I think we would both agree that Sonoma's rye is running away with our favorite one of this flight. Oh, for sure. So I would probably rank them as the rye, the cherry wood bourbon, and then the standard bourbon. Yeah, and I would just flip the two bourbons. But yeah, I, uh, Sonoma's really knocked it out of the park. These are some good quality whiskeys. Absolutely. All right, Brad, have you recovered yet? Ugh. I mean, I think I am hoping that the obvious choice of Pulp Fiction will help me recover from the disappointment of the treasure of the Sierra Madre moving on. Well, let's get to it then. Our matchup in the Elite Eight on the right side of the bracket is Pulp Fiction, the number two overall seed, versus Some Like It Hot, the 10 seed. And I don't even know how much we need to discuss this, Brad. This was an easier decision for me than it was to put Pulp Fiction over Singing in the Rain. I think Pulp Fiction moves on relatively unscathed from this round. Yeah, I like the the performances in Pulp Fiction are just so over-the-top perfect and not to say that they're not in Some Like It Hot, but Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece of cinema, and it moves on. Yeah, I completely agree. And honestly, this is an easier choice for me than Vertigo over West Side Story was. I I, I mean, Pulp Fiction, in a lot of ways for me, might be my number one seed. I think for me that decision had a lot more to do with the fact that the movie that got eliminated was better. Like, I think West Side Story is probably a better movie than Some Like It Hot. Yeah. And that's why it was a bigger challenge for me to pick that one. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. But yeah, so we choose Pulp Fiction. Let's move on 
to Star Wars versus 12 Angry Men. Well, I think what I'm going to do here, Brad, is pull a Ryan Seacrest on you and tell you that you have to wait for that one until we come back from the break, because I want to keep you in suspense. But in, in order to do that, I want to give out another of our Dundee-style awards. And these awards this episode, I want to hear your opinion, Brad, because, you know, you came into this podcast kind of green. You know, you hadn't seen a lot of these movies, and I want to hear your opinion on how these movies kind of shook out for you. And so the first award that we're going to give in the Brad G Awards is the most unexpected. This is the movie that you did not expect to like, the movie that you thought would suck and that you were pleasantly surprised by. So if you had to pick one movie from our round of 32 to give the most unexpected, what would you choose? Man, this is a tough one. It would either be Amadeus or The Tree of Life. Hmm. And I, I honestly, if, I, if that was its own bracket for the championship of most unexpected, I think Tree of Life would win it. You know, Amadeus, I, I didn't know what to expect at all. But Tree of Life, you had kind of warned me like, hey, Brad, this is a this is a different movie. You know, just just be open minded with it. And the more I watched it and the more I talked about it and the more we discussed it, the more I was just like, this is a phenomenal movie. So, yeah, I really think Tree of Life, I did not expect that to give it as high of a score as I did. Yeah. And if I can be honest, I fully expected you to come into the studio on that episode and just hate it because you were even texting me during the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, why are there dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> what's go? What's going on here? I'm still a little confused about that, but it doesn't bother me very much. I have to say, I'm I'm really impressed that you allowed the conversation and the research you did to really help shape your opinion of that movie, because that's one of those movies that I think you could you could turn it off as a viewer and just dismiss it and not engage with it because it is so challenging. And so that would probably win most unexpected for me, too, just in that I did not expect you to like that movie. And I've been pleasantly surprised by how much you've let that movie challenge you. Yeah, that's a movie that you can't just give a cursory glance to, you really have to sit with it. You really have to spend time with the themes, with the camera work, with the music. It's a movie that really, if you are willing to give it a chance, it'll grow on you. Absolutely. Which takes us to the final matchup of our Elite Eight, Star Wars, the number 19 seed, going up against 12 Angry Men, the number six seed. Now, you already know, Brad, that I had Casablanca winning this whole side of the bracket, and in fact, it won my whole bracket, so I have no dog in this race at this point. But, objectively, I think 12 Angry Men is a better movie than the first Star Wars film. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, like choosing Star Wars over Casablanca was probably the hardest decision for me of this entire bracket, and so for me to choose it over 12 Angry Men makes it a lot easier. You know, I, so you, I, so I you love- are choosing it. Oh, yeah. I wow. I mean, Bob, I chose Star Wars as my second ranked film of these 32. You know, choosing it over Casablanca, that's difficult. Casablanca is a classic of a movie that I absolutely loved. 12 Angry Men is a really great movie, but I'm going to choose Star Wars over it. Well, you know what that means, Brad. It is time for the coin of destiny to reappear again. We need to flip that coin. Star Wars is heads. 12 Angry Men is tails. Let's do it. Yeah, and like right now we have the number one and two seeds still in it. But if Star Wars makes it, it will be by far the lowest seed to make it into the final four. And the coin of destiny has spoken. Twelve angry men makes it into the final four. 
Wow. All right. And I'm highly disappointed by that because I, I genuinely think that Star Wars, with its its cultural impact, deserves to be in the final four. I, I genuinely do. I, I think it's just as good of a movie. And I think that the impact that it's had on American society is huge. And the reason I'm saying this all now is because it's been eliminated. And I, I just, man, Star Wars is such a great movie. And it, and it has impacted so many people in so many ways. I'm just sad that Bob doesn't see it the way I do. Hey, man, it's okay. Well, Brad, I hate to break this news to you, but even if we go to the people's vote on IMDb, as much as we love Star Wars as a culture, 12 Angry Men is the fifth highest rated movie on IMDb. Star Wars, number 24. Really? So yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a cultural touchstone, but I think we all agree Empire is probably the better movie. And in our scenario where we are throwing a movie into the fiery furnace... We still have like 10 Star Wars movies that are <laughs> that are left in the universe. That is true. And I, I have to say, I, I agree with it. I think 12 Angry Men is the better movie, and it has completed our final four. The matchups are Vertigo, the number one seed, versus The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, number 12, and Pulp Fiction, the number two seed, going up against the number six seed, 12 Angry Men. Brad, let's take a break and try our second whiskey of the day. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, so to wrap up our sampling of Sonoma Distilling Company's whiskeys, we are going with their Cherrywood Rye Whiskey. Now, their standard rye was a 100% rye mash bill. This Cherrywood Rye Whiskey is 80% rye, 10% wheat, and 10% Cherrywood smoked malted barley. So we've got a little bit of a different mash bill here. Brad, are you picking up on those differences when it comes to the nose? I'm going to be honest with you. This smells exactly like the other Cherrywood whiskey that they make. So you think it smells just like the bourbon? Yeah, it, it, the cherry wood must have a large influence on these two whiskeys, the bourbon and the rye, because mm -hmm. to me, they smell the same. Yeah, which means if I'm comparing it to the standard rye, this is a lot sweeter on the nose than the rye was. I got oh, a lot yeah. of floral and a little bit of like sweet cream on the rye. This one smells like it has some of those bourbon components to it. So why don't we give it a sip and see if it if it tastes any different? There's a little more spice to this. But it does remind me of the bourbon, the cherrywood bourbon. I'm, I'm getting that creaminess again. It's almost like cherries and sweet cream, like our, our cherries and whipped cream. Um, this one has a thinner mouthfeel to me, like something tastes thinner about this. And the aftertaste, again, has that sort of whiny, uh, like a dark red wine sort of aftertaste. Brad, which one do you prefer between the standard rye and the cherrywood rye? Uh, the standard rye is much better, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also think it's much better. And that's not because this is bad by any stretch of the imagination. I was just really, really blown away by that Sonoma rye. I would probably give this one closer to a 7 out of 10. It's it's right there with the smoked bourbon that we tried. Uh, but I think the standard rye still runs away with the award here for the best in the Sonoma lineup. Yeah, I would totally agree. The Sonoma lineup really is amazing. I, I was very impressed with all four. But the cherry wood just isn't doing it for me. It's a type of whiskey that I just am not enjoying nearly as much as the traditional bourbon and the traditional rye. And I think they really knock it out of the park with both of those. I agree. So my final ranking would be the standard rye, the cherry rye, and then both bourbons are underneath that. And guys, I am not a rye drinker, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I am going to drink every drop of this bottle of rye whiskey. It is so good. Yeah, I was going to say, if you weren't going to drink it, I would be stealing it from you because it's really amazing. <laughs> 
We want to give a thank you one more time to Adam Spiegel, who's the owner and whiskey maker at Sonoma Distilling Company, for sending out eight bottles of whiskey to two guys in Ohio. I, I just I can't thank them enough. They're doing such a great job out there. If you ever see their standard rye on the shelf at 40 to 45 dollars, it is a steal of a bargain. Pick it up. It's fantastic. Yeah. And as soon as you guys start distributing in Ohio, we will be your biggest advocates. Just oh, absolutely. Let, us, let us know when that happens and we will begin telling all of our friends, pick up Sonoma Rye. Yeah, it's great. All right, Brad, I want to hear before we move into our final four, one more award from you in the Brad G Awards. We did most unexpected, and now I want to do the flip side. Biggest letdown, a movie that you thought would be great, that you were wholly underwhelmed by. Once again, I have two specific movies that are going to fight for this award, and that would be Goodfellas and E.T. Yeah, I'm just I'm still shocked that you didn't like E.T., I thought that movie would be right up your alley, man. Yeah, there was something about it that it just, it didn't hit the right notes for me. It, it didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. It didn't taste right. Whatever you want to call it. I've really struggled with E.T. And honestly, I think I'm going to choose E.T. as my most overrated movie. Wow. I mean, I, from everybody I hear, you know, it's this classically beloved movie of childhood and, and the 80s and all these things. And I just go... Yeah, but it wasn't a good movie. And and I think similar things about Goodfellas, but Goodfellas was an objectively good movie, even though I didn't like it. I can't say the same thing about E.T. All right, Steven Spielberg, you have an award waiting at Brad's house. Biggest letdown. Oh, it's man, I hate saying that because Spielberg is genuinely I, I think you could argue that Spielberg is one of the greatest directors of all time. Oh, yeah. I hate to give him that award, but but he wins it. Biggest letdown goes to E.T the extraterrestrial. All right, and that takes us into our final four. Before we get into this, I'm curious, out of the four movies here, how busted is your bracket? How many of these movies did you have in your final four? I have three of the four in my bracket. Really? You had Treasure of the Sierra Madre in your final four? Yeah, yeah. I, I, Like I said, I think it's objectively better than The Aviator. I thought it was the best movie in that quadrant. So the only one that I am missing out of my final four is Casablanca, which has been replaced by 12 Angry Men. How's your bracket looking? Yeah, my I mean, I have two out of the four. I have Vertigo and Pulp Fiction in my top four. I had Treasure of the Sierra Madre losing in round one. Wow. Yeah. So this is the uh, this is the Cinderella choice right now. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get to it. Now, the first matchup, Brad, I don't think is going to take us much time here. Do you? I mean, Vertigo, like. The fact that I didn't have Treasure of the Sierra Madre winning in round one clearly shows you that I'm going to have Vertigo in the championship match. What about you, Bob? How mad would you be if I told you to flip the coin right now? Bob, you can how, go kick rocks. How, how mad would you be? Go kick rocks. All right, so here's the thing. I don't have you flipping the coin because this is a no-brainer. Vertigo is the better film, and Vertigo moves on to the Film & Whiskey Season 1 championship. Do you want to know how frustrated I am about Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Let's hear it. I had Aviator in the championship match. Wow. Did you really? Over Vertigo? Over Vertigo. Yeah. I See, that's where I would have just started saying your, your opinion is objectively wrong. I can't. You really think Aviator is a better movie than Vertigo? I think that we agreed that the criteria for this bracket was a combination of better movie yep. and personal favorite. Yeah. And I would watch Aviator 
many more times in the rest of my life than I would watch Vertigo. That's fair. I will give you that. I think that's a fair choice. And so, yeah, I'm really disappointed that Aviator is not there. But I would have been more angry if you tried to choose <laughs> the treasure of the Sierra Madre over yeah. over Vertigo. Yeah, so Vertigo makes it to the championship, and that means it's time for one last award from us. And this is an award coming from both of us, and it's going to be called the I Changed My Mind Award. Brad, I want to hear about a movie that, since we reviewed it, since you've scored it out, has changed the most in reputation in your mind, either for better or for worse. So that means, you know, maybe you gave it an 8, and now you think it's a 10. Or maybe you gave it a seven and now you think it's actually a two. What's a movie that more than any other movie you've thought long and hard about and has changed your opinion since we first aired an episode about it? Man, so this bracket, just recording these episodes, has made me more frustrated with Treasure of the Sierra Madre because it's gone so far and I'm very angry about that. But if I had to be honest about it, Goodfellas has probably changed the most for me. And the funny thing is... I probably would still give it an 8.5, but I would give it an 8.5 in a much more loving and caring manner than I did before. All right. Are you ready to hear my choice? My choice is also Goodfellas. And here's why. I think that I probably would not give this movie a 10 if we reviewed it today. Really? Yeah, we were coming into our very first episode. Goodfellas is a revered classic, and I I didn't even give thought to it. I was like, you know, yeah, of course it's a 10 out of 10. But even as I watched it, I found myself thinking like, oh, this part is kind of dragging a little bit. And I think that if I reviewed it today, I would give it either a 9 or a 9.5. So it's not a huge difference, but I do think that our scores would have been dramatically different today than they were when we first aired that episode on Goodfellas. Man, so all I'm hearing you say is, Brad, you were right. I will say that you made me rethink my stance on Goodfellas. Wow, man. Yeah. I... This moment almost makes the treasure of the Sierra Madre making to the final four (laughs) worth it. All right. So Martin Scorsese, on your way to pick up all your awards for the Aviator, stop by and pick up the I Changed My Mind Award for Goodfellas. Two. Two I Changed My Mind Awards on Goodfellas. Yeah, definitely. And really one that I think it's better than I rated it and you think it's worse than you rated it. So it evens out. It evens out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We could probably both put it at a nine. That's where it is. All right, let's let's finalize this championship matchup. We've got our final four on the other side of the bracket. The matchup is the number two seed, Pulp Fiction, going up against the number six seed, 12 Angry Men. What are your thoughts, Brad? See, and this is hard for me because Star Wars was my final four choice in this in this bracket versus Pulp Fiction. And wait, so that, let, let me let me let me hear, wait. It was your final four choice or it like won the final four? Pulp Fiction beat Star Wars for me. Okay. But it was an extremely hard choice because I think of the cultural impact that Star Wars has had and the personal impact that Star Wars has had, and it was really hard for me to choose Pulp Fiction over it. It's really easy for me to choose Pulp Fiction over 12 Angry Men. So in our bracket, 12 Angry Men is the underdog. In popular culture, I think 12 Angry Men is the underdog. But when it comes to what people actually think of the movie, 12 Angry Men Number five overall movie on IMDb, as we said, Pulp Fiction's number eight. So 12 Angry Men is in some ways a heavyweight here. But when it comes to deciding our championship, I can't do anything except put Pulp Fiction there. I think our two favorites, the two top seeds, Vertigo and Pulp Fiction, pretty easily win their their respective sides of the bracket. So we have a matchup of heavyweights set, Vertigo and Pulp Fiction, 
for the Film and Whiskey Season 1 Championship. Brad, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm curious, was this your championship matchup on your bracket? No, I had Vertigo and Casablanca, and I had Casablanca winning the whole thing. Oh, that's right. You did say that. But, I mean, Pulp Fiction and Casablanca were the Final Four matchup on that side, so I'm not surprised to see it here. Yeah, and honestly, for me, it was Aviator versus Pulp Fiction for the championship. And I think the obvious choice here is Pulp Fiction over Vertigo. I really can't see us choosing a different movie over Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction was my winner for my original bracket. I genuinely think that the movie is so beautiful on so many different levels that I I can't see us not choosing it. But Bob, I'm curious what you have to say. Well, before we get there, Brad, I want to keep you in suspense a little bit because I have a feeling you might know where I'm going with my choice. But before we get there, I want to do one last thing. This has been such a movie-centric bonus episode set that I want to give just a little bit of a shout-out to the whiskeys that we've consumed throughout season one. You know, we weren't going to do a a bracket challenge with all of our whiskeys, but I do think we should give a shout-out to the top five whiskeys that we have reviewed on the podcast based on the scores we gave them. For sure. Let's count them down. Number five, Henry McKenna Single Barrel, a bourbon. Yeah, this, I mean... You know, this is a double gold medal winner that won best whiskey in the world. Not best bourbon, you know, not best American something or other. This was voted the best whiskey in the world over all sorts of scotches. So I'm not surprised to see it in our top five list. Looking back on it, you know, we didn't necessarily think it deserved that title. And I think you could see that opinion reflected a lot online. But it's a darn good whiskey. And so I'm not surprised to see it there. Yeah, I'm not either. I had a shot of it the other day and you know, when we first tried it, I said something about it tasting and smelling like peanut butter. And that peanut butter is still there, man. It is just a super complex, dark, wonderful bottled and bond bourbon. Can't give it high enough marks. That's our number five. Our number four, we are jumping to Scotland for one of our Glen Morangies, their Nectar Door. Now that was the most recently reviewed one. And Brad, how do we pronounce it again? Nectar D. <laughs> All right, so actually, I'm not as high on this one as Brad was. I only gave it a 36 out of 50. Brad, you gave it a 42 and a half. Of the Glenmorangies, I think this was above the standard one for me, but it was definitely, in my mind, way below the other two finished Glenmorangies we had. Yeah, and I don't know if I would disagree with you on that, but I think that just gives you a sign of the quality that you are getting in that Glenmorangie sampler pack. So for the Henry McKenna... Our average was a 75 out of 100. For the Glenmorangie Nectar Door, we're sitting at a 78 and a half, which takes us to our number three. We're staying in Scotland. We're actually staying in the same distillery, and we're talking about the Glenmorangie La Santa. Now, this is the one that was finished in those Olorosa sherry casks. It was, for a long time, our highest rated whiskey. Brad, what do you remember about the La Santa? I just remember it was so complex and it offered us so many different options of what to taste and feel. And that was a fascinating whiskey that honestly, like now that we're a little bit more experienced in the world of scotch, I don't know if we would give it quite as high of a score. No, I don't think so either. But looking back on it, I do remember the beauty that was in it. And I'm not surprised that it's rated as highly as it is. Yeah, I agree. That one came out to a 79. So only a half point above the Nectar And that takes us to our number two whiskey, which was Weller Antique 107. 
Brad, you have uh, on numerous occasions told me that you wanted to give this another try because you weren't sure about your score. I think you gave it a 40 out of 50 at the time. I gave it a 43 and a half. This has been for a long time one of my favorite bourbons. So our our average was an 83 and a half out of 100. This is the first one that cracked the 80 mark for us. Yeah, honestly, for some reason, I think I might have been sick that night. I I genuinely kind of let myself be led by you in that one, which is fine because I genuinely trust your opinion on whiskeys. But I would be curious to go back and try that again to see if I would rank it as our number two overall whiskey. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I've sampled it again since then as well. And I would choose the Henry McKenna over the Weller Antique any day of the week, at least the bottle of McKenna that we got. It is just so much better, so much more complex. And I just enjoyed it a lot more than the Weller Antique. So if we were scoring it again, I don't think that this might even be in our top five. Yeah, and that doesn't totally surprise me. But, you know, that's that's part of the beauty of tasting whiskey is that, you know, certain days it it might taste just a little bit different and give you a little bit of a different of a taste. And and that's why we don't just drink a whiskey once we drink it multiple times. Definitely. And that takes us to our number one whiskey of season one. And I'm not surprised by this either. Glenn Morangy has three of the top five whiskeys on film and whiskey season one. And the number one is their Quinta Rubin 12 year. This got an average of us of 45 out of 50 or a 90 out of 100. Yeah, I mean, this is the only whiskey that we would give an A. And I am not surprised. It honestly will be amazing to me if we hit a higher ranked whiskey in season two. I mean, this stuff just blew me away. I've had it again since, and it it still is up there as one of the best. Now, I will say in season two, we might be trying the 14-year version rather than the 12-year. I think we should. I think we owe it to people to do that because if we like it that much, then we need to see if any other expression of it can come anywhere close to it. Yeah. So yeah, those are those are our top five whiskeys. Other than the Weller Antique, which I'm not saying it shouldn't be there, but I'm, I'm curious to try it again. Other than that, I'm happy with our top five. I am too. The only thing that I could potentially put up against that Quinta Rubin would be the Henry McKenna. But I think that the clear winner here is Glenn Morangy Quinta Rubin. We can't say enough good things about it. If you're looking to get into scotch, go buy a bottle right now. But for now, we have a championship matchup to debate. Bob, I'm really curious. What do you think about Vertigo versus Pulp Fiction? Listen, Vertigo is our number one overall seat, and it's number one for a reason. I gave it a 10. You gave it a 10. I'm pretty sure it was number two on my list that I made last night behind Casablanca. It is above Pulp Fiction in my rankings. Brad, where did you have these two shaking out? Yeah, honestly, in my final rankings of the 32 movies, Pulp Fiction won out. I mean, it was my top movie, followed by Star Wars, and then followed by Vertigo. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the reasons, and I've said this before, but I'm going to elaborate on it now, it's hard for me to go back and rewatch Vertigo. You know, watching it for the podcast was the second time I've ever seen it. It is a psychological mess you up kind of movie. It really does mess you up, man. I, th- I seriously, I thought about it for days after we watched it. Yeah, and I don't know how often I want to go back and watch that movie. Now, granted, yeah. I don't know how often I, I want to go back and watch Pulp Fiction either, because that messes you up in different ways. But I'm going to choose Pulp Fiction to win our first season of Film and Whiskey. Brad, I am so excited for this, because I have chosen Vertigo to win our first season. Wow. Which means, <laughs> which means the championship matchup 
is going to be decided by the coin of destiny. Man, I cannot wait Fate for this. Fate has dug its, you know, deep claws into the Film and Whiskey podcast. I, I'm not totally surprised that you chose Vertigo, but but I kind of want to hear some reasoning. Tell me why you're choosing Vertigo. You know, with Pulp Fiction, I, I think I said this on the episode as well. I really waffled back and forth between a nine and a half and a ten. And what's great about this movie so far outweighs the flaws. But I do think there's a few flaws with the movie. I think that there's signs that Tarantino is still a filmmaker in his early years. I think he's still figuring some things out. I think especially in the early scenes, Tarantino tries really hard to be cool. And, you know, like the little touches, like when Mia makes a square with her fingers and you see like the outline pop on the screen and certain touches like that just don't work for me. I think once we finally settle into what Tarantino's trying to do with the redemptive arcs of the movie, it works a lot better. But I think overall, Vertigo is a more solid movie. We both talked about that first half hour being a little slow, but once that movie starts moving, the plot of that movie changes like eight different times and you're keeping up with it and it is just messing up your mind the whole time. I think that I would probably rank Vertigo above Pulp Fiction on like an all time list, not by a lot, but I do think it's the better film. Man, yeah, I I can't disagree with those points. I, I mean, I can't say that you're wrong, but I... I just still think I would choose Pulp Fiction over Vertigo, but literally by a hair. Yeah, and I think I'm the same way with Vertigo over Pulp Fiction, which means it is a perfect candidate for a coin flip. Yeah, and I I almost don't want to flip the coin. I almost want to keep talking about the movies because I'm nervous about the result. Yeah, me too, actually. But in the end, we have to flip this coin, the coin of destiny, and heads will equal our number one seed Vertigo, and tails will represent... The number two movie, Pulp Fiction. All right, Bob, are you ready? I'm ready for it. Let's do it. And the winner of our very first ever best movie is... Pulp Fiction. Wow. Tarantino, the underdog. The coin has spoken. Man, you know what? I'm okay with it. I would probably choose Casablanca and Vertigo over Pulp Fiction, but we're talking like my my probably third highest rated movie. It's a great movie. I'm happy with it. And I think the people probably would pick Pulp Fiction as well. Yeah. I mean, in general, you look at Pulp Fiction and you just look at a movie that illustrated the cultural change from the 60s, 70s, and 80s into the new era of the 90s. And if a movie like Fight Club kind of illustrates a lot of the weird and bad stuff of the 90s, Pulp Fiction just just is such a beautiful picture of the changing conscious of the American public. I, you can't pass it up. Yeah, I agree, Brad. And I think this is a really fitting way to end season one of the Film and Whiskey podcast. We cannot thank you enough for listening to us. We want to know what you think about our bracket. So if you want to get on social media, you can find us at Instagram, at Twitter, at Facebook, and our handle is at Film Whiskey with an E, or you could leave us a voicemail. Brad, what's our call-in number? Yeah, our number is 216-800-5923. Once again, that number is 216 800 Five nine two three, and and if you want to go ahead on Instagram, post what your final four and what your champion would have been. Let us know what you think about this bracket. Yeah, I'd love to hear some feedback on this because we had some great movies, and some of them unfortunately died before their time. Casablanca. All right, real quick, before we wrap up, I just want to give a couple thank yous to people who have helped us along the way this season. First of all, to our awesome co-hosts that we've had on here. 
Jen Lowers, and Jordan McCain. Thank you guys so much for joining us, for giving us your opinions on movies. We'd love to get you back in the studio again soon to talk about more films. Yeah, for sure. I, I was really blown away by how wonderful Jordan was in his early episodes and Jen was in her episodes. And what a blessing it is to have more voices than just Bob and I. And then secondly, to those who have let us use their studios, we've got producer Eric down in the Columbus area. We've got our friend Marquise Brown up here in the Akron area. Thank you guys so much for being our audio engineers, for providing us with a place to record, for traveling with us on the road when we went to Kentucky. Producer Eric, guys, thank you so much for what you do for us. Yeah, honestly, like Bob and I are not tech guys, and you guys have taught us so much about the sound recording process. I'm just so appreciative of you guys. Thank you so much. And then finally, to our Instagram community, we've had many people send us samples to try. So I want to give a thank you to Evan Steinberger for the Lafroig. I want to give a thank you to Bourbon and College for all of the Four Roses. I want to say thank you to Crab Cakes and Bourbon for the blind tasting flight that we got. And to our friend, the Urban Bourbonist. He sent us some whiskeys that we'll be trying in season two, but he's been such a great friend. He's, he steered us towards Sonoma for these two episodes. So thank you, thank you, thank you to our Instagram followers who are just supplying us with wonderful, wonderful whiskeys. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, th this might be a little too deep for our podcast, but in a lot of ways, you look out in the world right now and there's so much crappy stuff happening. And for Bob and I to start this podcast, we didn't expect anything out of it. We literally said, as long as we're having fun doing it, we're going to keep recording it, even if it's just 10 people listening to us. And to see the podcast grow and shape and evolve in ways that we never expected, we have met so many amazing people over the internet that I'm just blown away by the goodness that can be found on the internet. Thank you all so much for showing us so much kindness and grace and encouraging us in this podcast. We're so thankful for you all. I don't think it could be said any better than that. Brad, thank you for joining me on this adventure. As we wrap up season one, I know we say that we're taking a break, but actually uh, season two starts like next week. So you guys don't have to miss a week of hearing our voices. We will be back to kick off season two with one of the most popular films of all time. The 2008 Christopher Nolan classic, The Dark Knight. For the Film and Whiskey podcast, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. We'll see you guys next week. the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for cyberpunk 2077 are you looking to brush up on the lore stay up on all the latest news and talk about the game when it comes out check out the cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from robots radio with me your host robots we'll go over all the details you need to know about the world characters and story of cyberpunk available on itunes spotify google play and anywhere else you get your podcasts.